Um, today I'm going to be starting a series on Elijah and Elisha. Come on, I am super stoked by this. This is a, a, a fantastic part of scripture in Kings. So one Kings and two Kings, um, where these two amazing mighty men of God see God break through in miraculous, awesome, powerful ways. They raise the dead. Come on. They see the sick healed. They see provision come in miraculous ways. They, they see um, fire come down from heaven and, and burn up an offering. They see all kinds of incredible things. But there's this one verse which is key to our whole series. And it's James 5. I, I think it's going to come up on the screen. James 5, 17. And it says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Elijah was a human with a nature exactly the same as yours and mine. That's what it says there. It says that, that we have the same makeup that Elijah has. It means he has the same weaknesses that we have, the same vulnerabilities that we have, the same flesh and blood that we have. He was not the perfect Christ that came. And yet he saw these amazing, miraculous things happen. He saw God move in incredible, amazing ways. And the provocation here in James is this. So Elijah saw that happen and he's got a nature just like yours and mine. Could you see things happen just like that? Could I see things happen just like that? And part of us going through Elijah and Elisha is to think, well, how did they see that happen? Because I want it to happen. I want the kingdom to come in greater power through me and through you and through us in this place. I'm hungry for it. I'm starving for it. I, I want to see more of God move. I, I want these amazing testimonies. We were uh, at the Hub Day on um, Thursday, which is where lots of churches together get together. The leaders get together up in Bedford who oversee the church. Uh, and I realized and I learned that I had a wet holiday in France because someone else had been praying for the rain in France. <laughs> which, you know... There was wildfires, so they prayed for the rain, and they'd spent a week before us there praying for the rain every morning, and, and then when I got there, the rain was there. <coughs> and that is an exact representation of this. Do you know you know the, the living God, the unchanging God, the way maker, miracle worker? He is the amazing one. He is the all-powerful. Elijah's not Superman. Elijah's not God. Elijah can't do it in his own power. But Elijah knew the living God. The living God that is unchanging. We've sang all about that today. Today I'm going to be focusing on the story that related to um, the James verse. If you want to go back up to the James verse. Um, in 1 Kings 17. And I'm just going to, going to read it now. But my hunger is for this series is that we know that no one in here is part of the crowd. In the Gospels, the crowd was all around Jesus and Jesus ministered to them and they saw the sick healed. But, but actually, there was a, a different group of pre people in the crowd who were his disciples. And that's the calling here. 
We are his disciples, his followers. You're not part of the crowd, you're part of his disciples. And as a disciple, we should expect the power of God to come through us. 1 Kings 17, 1 to 7, and then I'm going to read 1 Kings 18, 41 to 46. Just to set up this story, it's set up in 1 Kings 16, uh, verse 29 to 34. Um, but what happens is Ahab is the king of Israel. And it says in 1 Kings uh, 16, verses 29 to 34, it says that he was a terrible king. It says that he was worse than the king before him, who was a pretty terrible king. And it says that he, he married outside of Israel, which is in the law it says not to do. And he married someone called Jezebel, um, who was part of a nation that worshipped a god called Baal. And he set up Asherah poles where people would go. So he set up these uh, monuments where he would encourage the Israelites to go to pray to this other god, this Baal, that the other nation. And it says that he was a terrible king. And then we get to 1 Kings 17. Elijah does not get much of an introduction. What we know of Elijah is he's speaking to the king straight away. I imagine there was a bit of a journey to get there, but we don't see it here. But it says this. I'm just going to read 1 Kings 17, and I'm reading in the ESV. <coughs> Sorry. Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab's a bad king, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Okay, from there, I'm going to jump all the way to 1 Kings 18, verse 41. I'm going to jump over two amazing stories of someone being raised from the dead and fire coming down from heaven, but I assure you, we're going to come back to them. So 1 Kings 18, 41 to 46 says this, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. This is after three and a half years recorded in James. So Ahab went to eat and to drink and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And at the seventh time he said, behold a cloud a little cloud, like a man's hand, is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garments and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So you have this terrible king who's worshipping Baal and encouraging the whole of Israel to worship Baal, this other god. 
This other God, Baal, is meant to be the God of fertility. He's meant to be the other God, the God of life, who gives life. And he's meant to be the God who provides rain. So this first word by Elijah is a direct attack on what Ahab is encouraging the nation to do. We'll come back to that kind of topic later. But what it says is that Elijah was a man who connected with God. And we can be people who connect with our living God, who commune with our God, who hear from our God, who pray to our God, who know his power here on earth. I'm going to go through uh, the, the prayer life of Elijah, which is the, the core of why he saw the amazing God do amazing things. And I'm going to go through six things that I think I pick up from here, from Elijah's prayer life in these verses, so that we can think, well, how am I doing in that? How, how am I doing in this? How am I connecting? Am I, am I doing what Elijah did? So the first thing I see Elijah do is Elijah got alone with God. Elijah, it says here in, in chapter 18, it says that Elijah chose to go. He said something to Ahab. He said, this is going to happen. And then he went up to Mount Carmel and he prayed. He got alone with God. He made space for God. He created room for him. I think one of the challenges in our society of the busyness of the kind of the, the lives that we live, of the intrusions of our phones and constant things going on around us, I think it's difficult to do this. And I think this is one of the biggest kind of blockages for us in our prayer lives. How are you doing in going into your room? This is what Jesus said before the Lord's Prayer, shutting the door and creating space where it's just you and the Father where it's just you and God. How are you doing that in life? How are you creating moments in your life where you are connecting with the living God? How are you prioritizing him above all others, above all other things? How are you creating space? How are you making room? And we can all make excuses. We can all kind of say, oh, I, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. But, but this is the very nub and the very core of discipleship. It's this creating room for God, creating room to attach yourself to him, to hear from him, to learn from him. A few years ago, I was really, um, I was struggling to, to do this. And I, I remember writing in my journal, <clears throat> do you even believe in prayer? And that was the challenge. It was a provocation to me because it's like, OK, so if I'm not doing it, what statement does that make about prayer? It makes this kind of attack, like this kind of inner feeling of, do I actually believe that my prayers are powerful? Do I believe that my prayers are effective? Do I believe, like Elijah, that if I pray and connect with the living God, he could do amazing things through me? And I was provoked and I wrote it down and I was like, okay, God, I, I really want to do that. And so I decided to start doing prayer walks. So I simply just go out and I do a prayer walk because I know that's how I connect with God. I brought a watch that really annoys Zoe because it beeps every hour. <laughs> Sorry, Zoe. But it breaks into your life. 
and it just breaks in and it makes you think. And there was this testimony that I heard from, do you know John and Carol Arnott? John was quite unwell at the time. Um, and I heard Carol speaking and she said, someone has challenged John to set a watch for every 10 minutes to beep at him. And every 10 minutes to, to allow that moment to be a moment where he chooses to worship Jesus. And then he had recovered from the illness that he had. And I thought, okay, I can't do 10 minutes, but I could do every hour. I could set something up to just beep at me every hour and it just breaks in. And at that moment, I just know, okay, I just need to say prayer. I need to reconnect with God. And at the time I was working at Barnet Homes and it was a very stressful environment. And I did not enjoy the job. And, and I just, every hour it just beeped at me. And every hour I was just like, thank you, Jesus, that I know you. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you're Lord of all. Thank you that you're in these cases. And I just pray that you give me strength. And it's just that simple. Just create something in your life to break into your life, to break in and surprise you. And to, don't be legalistic, but just allow God to break in. Create room for God. Create space for him. How are you doing in that? What are you doing to do that? So that's the first thing, create room for God. And the second thing I feel we've kind of set up really well here because Elijah knew exactly who God was. That's the second thing I get here. In your Bible, where it says Lord, what you'll see in most translations is Lord is L-O-R-D in capital letters. Yeah, you see that? That's not always the case. That, that happens about 6,500 times throughout the, the Old Testament. And that is to signify that this doesn't just mean master. It doesn't just mean he's someone I'm going to choose to make my Lord. It means he is Yahweh. It means he is Jehovah. It means he is the covenant God who revealed himself. It means, so every time he says Lord, he's saying this is the Lord, the one who spoke and everything began to come into motion. Nothing happened until the Lord spoke, until Yahweh spoke, until Jehovah spoke. There is no other God other than this Yahweh. He is the one true God. He is the King of Kings. This is how um, God revealed himself to his people in Exodus 3. When Moses was meeting, it was this word, Yahweh, the Lord, Yahweh, the one who is, the one who is, the one true God, the mighty God, the only God. And Elijah knew this. And every time he spoke, he said, Yahweh, the God has said this. So Elijah knew exactly who he was connecting with. He was connecting with the one true God. He wasn't connecting to Baal. He wasn't connecting to some other God. He was connecting to the one true God. How are you developing your knowledge of who that one true God is? Because it spurs prayer life. When you realize that the Lord, he is savior, he is mighty, he's all powerful, he's El Shaddai, he, he's, he's here with us, he's incredible. When, when you realize that he's, he's not just that, but he's also the God, what, what you notice often when he speaks of himself as the Lord, he, he intertwines his story with the story of Israel, his people. He's a God who's intimately involved in his people. 
He, in Exodus, when he revealed himself to Moses, he said, I'm the God of Abraham. Remember what I did through Abraham? Remember the promises I made to him? Remember the promises that I made to Isaac? Remember what I promised? He was the promised one. Remember what I promised to Israel? He's the God who's always intertwined with his people. Jesus, Jesus told us when we were to pray that we should pray to our Father. And again, he's doing the same. He's saying, this is who God is. This is how we start prayer. He is your Father. This is the God who you are worshipping, who you are praying to. The one true God. No other God. Do you know that's who you're connecting with? I decided this year to, um, to try and read Deuteronomy 6 every morning. Um, and it's just a, a verse, it's called the Shema, and it's, the Lord is one, the Lord our God. I will love the Lord with all my heart, my mind, and my soul. I think I've got that slightly wrong, but, but that's, that's the essence. And it's just, it allows me to just sit for a moment and think, okay, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Is he, he's my savior. He's incredible. He's amazing. He loves me. He cherishes me. He's adopted me. Who is the Lord? He's over all things, whether I can see it or not. He's ruling over kings and nations and he spoke and everything came into being. Who is the Lord? And I just try and give myself a minute to think, who is Yahweh? Because it sets your day up to want to connect with this God, this amazing, incredible God. So he knew exactly who God was. The third thing, he submitted himself to God. It says that Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed down on his knees with his head between his legs and he cried out to God. He humbled himself. There's that amazing verse in Peter, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and at the right time he will exalt you. And that's what Elijah's doing here. He, he humbles himself under God. He says, God, I cannot do this. I cannot make the rain stop. I cannot make the rain start. I cannot do that but you can. And he, sat and he cried out to God and he prayed and he prayed and he submitted himself. And I think in here is confession as well. It doesn't say it specifically in this Elijah, but, but confession is a huge part of prayer. Confess your sins to the Lord. We did it in Upper Room Academy a few weeks ago, just confessing some of our sins. And you just, you just sense that God sets you free from some things as you confess, as you bow down, as you say, okay, Lord, you are make a search my heart. Is there anything that I need in order to, is there anything I need to repent of, anything I need to change? Confessing your sins before God. And I just felt this was really important actually for someone. This, Jesus is faithful to forgive your sins. Jesus loves you and wants to forgive you and set you free of your sins. If you don't believe that, think, Jesus died on the cross for me. Just think about that. Jesus, the Lord of all creation, died on the cross for me. If that isn't enough, listen to one of the prayers that Jesus said on the cross about the enemies who were killing him, not, not like pretend, physically killing him. He said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus' heart is forgiveness. It's restoration. It's to restore you and to draw you back into relationship with him. That's God's heart right there. God is a forgiving God, a grace-giving God. 
but he calls us to bow down and humble ourselves before him and confess our sins. And at the right time, he will exalt you. I believe this is key to see the breakout of God, living pure lives with hearts transformed by God. What was the fourth thing that he did? He, the fourth thing that Elijah did was he said specific prayers. He prayed that the rain would start. That's in 1 Kings 18. He prayed that the rain would come. And in James, it actually says, even though it doesn't say in 1 Kings 17, it says that he prayed for the rain to stop. So he obviously prayed around that as well. How are you doing at praying for very specific things? Like just knowing exactly, this is what I'm praying for, God. I'm praying for these very specific things. It says in James 4 verse 2, we do not have because we do not ask. Plain and simple. You do not have because you do not ask. How are you doing at asking for the specific things, the things that are on your heart, the things you're longing for? Jesus did say that, Maria. You're right. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. But I think Elijah asked for specific things. Now, I was reading a testimony over Christmas in a book. I was reading a, a book uh, and it was just a testimony. I was reading a book about prayer, actually. Living like monks, praying like fools. Praying like monks, living like fools. It's a great book, fantastic book on prayer. But there's just a bit in it where he was telling these testimonies of people who've been healed about this or people. And I found myself just thinking, oh, but, but what about that person who wasn't? Or, or what about this person where that didn't happen? Or what about this situation where I'm not seeing the breakout of God? Well, and I, I realized that I had stopped praying specifically for certain things. Why? Because of disappointment. Because my heart had gone hard because I hadn't seen God do the things that I had prayed specifically for. And I had to get before the Lord and I had to ask him and I had to say, Lord, transform my thinking and feelings. Lord, I had to humble myself under God. And I had to come back and decide, actually, no, I'm going to pray for specific things this year. I'm going to pray to see the breakthrough of God. I'm not going to allow disappointments to dictate. I'm going to allow the fact that I know that God is God and God is God. <laughs> And so I started this new thing, a new thing. It's a new thing. It's a new year. And you're, you're about to be part of it. Um, so I, I've got three minutes to tell you about it. 12 o'clock every, um, every day. I've written, um, there's a, a verse that I've written down um, in my journal. And it's the verse in Peter where it says, the Lord is not being slow to answer, but he is being patient because he does not want anyone to perish. And I've written that down. And then underneath that, I've written a list of my non-Christian friends and family. And I was going to say colleagues, but I don't have any non-Christian <laughs> colleagues. I work for the church. <coughs> They're not on the list. And I've said at 12 o'clock, so I've my watch again, 12 o'clock, I have an alarm that goes off every day. And I just try, if I'm, if I'm at my desk, I'll open that. If I'm not at my desk, I'll just... I'll just um, pray for them. But very specifically, I'm praying for those people to get saved. 
I'm praying for the salvation of God to come in. I've got another list in there as well uh, for people who are unwell Christians and things where I just want to see the breakout of God, the kingdom of God to come. And I've just written them down in lists because I know that I'll just forget if I, <laughs> I'm not very good at remembering. So I write things down and then I open them up and I pray through these names individually. And my watch is about to beep in one and a half minutes. And I just want us all to join in prayer together when it beeps. I'm going to keep kind of babbling until it beeps. But prayer, and I want you to think now actually, think of some people in your life who don't know Jesus. Because your prayers can change the eternity of people. You can have eternal influence just by praying. Okay, we've got one minute left until we all join together. Shall we just pray now? We don't have to be legalistic about it. Jesus, we, we thank you, Lord God, that you are the God of salvation. Lord God, by your name, Lord Jesus, people can come to salvation. People can have eternity with you at your name, Lord Jesus. You are the saving God, the mighty God who saves. And Lord Jesus, I just want to lift up our friends, our colleagues, our family, our neighbours, people that we just know, Lord God. I just want to ask you now, Lord Jesus, for your salvation. For every person we're thinking of in this room, Lord Jesus, stretch out your mighty arm. Stretch out your mighty arm to save, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'd, you'd take people's eyes and open them to who you are, Lord Jesus, the one true God, the God who loves them, the God who saves them, the God that can transform, the God who's all-powerful, the God who's a provider, the God who's my anchor. God, I pray that we would see people come to know you this year. In your mighty name, King Jesus. Amen. And that's just something that I'm trying to do this year. And I just think, you know, I invite you into it. If you've got a watch that beeps, set a watch, set an alarm for 12 o'clock or whatever time it is. But just create a habit in yourself. Create a breaking in yourself where you're praying for very specific things. The fifth thing, he persevered in prayer. Seven times, it says. Seven times. Now imagine being the servant in this situation. Elijah's just there on his knees. That's relatively easy. The servant has to go back and forth, back and forth. And they're on a mountain. Let's not forget that. But he, he's sending him out to say, you know, is it happening? And six times the servant has to come back and say, uh-uh, there's nothing happening. <laughs> there's nada happening. Six times he comes back and he says, there's nothing happening. On the seventh time, he comes back and he says, it's starting to happen. Prayer takes perseverance. We're told by Jesus to persevere in prayer. There's this wonderful story in uh, Luke 18 where Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. Do you know that the only time that it's recorded that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something was about prayer? It's just know that, just be aware of that. But anyway, this, this story in Luke 18 was uh, uh, Jesus saying about what, this is what you should pray like. And he says, there's this horrible judge who doesn't care about justice or anything. Rubbish judge, 
doesn't care. And there's this widow who keeps coming back to him every day and nagging him. And he keeps, she keeps nagging him and she keeps saying, oh, please, could you do this? Please, 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 please. And it says that the judge eventually gives in to the nagging because he can't be bothered to hear her nagging anymore. Now, that seems like a strange story, doesn't it? Because we've learned that the, God is not like that judge. And it says, Jesus says, actually, God is not like that judge. How much more will the God who loves you answer your prayers as you persevere in them coming to him? If the judge was like that, how much more would the loving father listen and answer your prayers? There takes perseverance. And sometimes I think we stop on four. Sometimes I think we stop on three times, sometimes four times, five times, when actually we just need to push through, believing that God has spoken and activating what he has said. That's what happens here. He says, because Elijah knows it's happening because God has spoken to him and he says to Ahab, go and eat, go and get ready because it's going to happen. But then he has to push through in prayer to see it come to fruition. Perseverance. We need to wear our knees out. And the final thing that I want to say about this prayer life is Elijah didn't just speak all the time. It wasn't just him speaking and he listened and he obeyed. He listened and he expected God to speak to him and then he obediently did what God said to him. It says in 1 Kings 17, it says that he, he listened to God and the Lord told him to go somewhere. And so what's he, what's he do? He goes there. He activates what God is saying. God speaks to us and we have to listen and obey. In John 15, it says he is the good shepherd and we are his sheep and the sheep know his voice and they listen to his voice and follow him. We are his sheep. He is the good shepherd that speaks. Are you listening to his voice? Are you creating time and space to listen to his voice? For him to speak in. Prayer isn't just about speaking, it's about hearing as well. And Elijah listened. But then the, the thing is, you, you have to listen. And then you have to do something. And sometimes it seems a bit odd. Sometimes God can ask you to do something and you're like, well, I can't quite make sense of that. Why would I do that? But actually, as you step into the things of God, you realize, oh, okay, God is leading me. God is directing me. God is leading my life on. And you'll see God do amazing things. Elijah, because he listened, he saw ravens coming in twice a day to feed him. That just doesn't happen in the natural. That doesn't just happen. That happens because he was a man of prayer who listened to the living God and obeyed what he did. That's discipleship. So these things, six things, and I don't think it's exhaustive. I don't think this is kind of going to, the whole exhaustive answer to it. But this is the foundation of why Elijah and Elisha saw so much of the breakthrough of God. Because they were both men who prayed and prayed and connected with the all-powerful one. So I, I encourage you just to, to think about those six things, maybe uh, take a picture of those things, take a, think about kind of how am I doing in those areas, how am I doing in all of these six things. 
just think about it. Think about kind of, oh, okay. And then in the week, just think, okay, how could I do this? How could I improve my prayer life? How could I grow? Prayer life is a growing thing. You have to com com continue to grow in it. What I want us to do is I want us to get into twos or threes. And I just want you to pray for one another. Pray for one another to, to hear the word of the Lord over your life and to be obedient in it. I want you to pray, actually, for your friends and family as well. I know we've done that already as a group, but I'd love you to do that. So just get in twos or threes now and just start activating some of this. So start asking God to do some of the impossible things.